I'm glad to see you here. Uh, John, I appreciate your testimony tonight. I'm thankful for what God's doing for you. And uh, I'm looking forward to meeting y'all's little one one of these days for too long. Amen. Four months. It will go fast, considering this year is already half gone. Time goes by so fast. And, uh, but... I'm going to turn to the book of Peter tonight. I have been here for a little bit, and I probably will have a couple more uh, lessons on this. And been talking about the end time saint. I know this is a long passage of scripture, but I'm trying to drive it home in our spirit and our heart that we can receive what the word has out of this. Second Peter three nine through eighteen is what I'll read. If you'll bear with me as I read through this. Um, some scripture that has intrigued me a lot, but just really got in my heart here a while back. And um, I've been trying to to kind of break this down for us and, and look at it in a little more depth. So, uh, the Lord is not slack concerning his promises as some men count slackness. But long, his long-suffering towards us, us were not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But, uh, you know... It's this powerful when he talks about he don't want nobody to, to perish and he wants everybody to come to repentance, but he says, but, there's still a but. There's people that's going to die and go to hell. And we've got to do what we can to help that, uh, everything we can. Because the day of the Lord is going to come to the thief in the night. The heavens shall pass away, great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. And then, verse 11, this is where it gets into the series I've been talking about here with this. He said, but seeing all these things shall dissolve. In other words, all this stuff's going to happen. What manner of persons ought you to be? He said, what kind of person ought you to be? And then he names off several things here through the rest of this passage of what type of person we ought to be in certain areas. So he said, holy conversation, godliness, and looking for and hasting to the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, the elements shall melt with fervent heat, Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for a new heaven, a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that you look for such things, be diligent that you may be found of him in peace without spot and blameless. Account the long-suffering, O Lord, is salvation, even as our beloved brother Paul, also according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written to you, as also in the epistles speaking in them of things in which are some things are hard to be understood, which they are that are unlearned and unstable rest, and they do also the other scriptures into their own destructions. Ye therefore, beloved, seeing you know these things before, beware lest you also, being led away with the air of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness, but grow in grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus, the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. Lord, open our hearts, our spirit. Let us receive, God, what you want for us to receive in the midst of these scriptures, Lord. I just pray that you would help us right now, God, in your precious name, Jesus. We love you. We thank you. We give you glory in Jesus' name. Church, say amen. amen. And I have said nearly every time during this series that it's very true. That we are so close to the coming of the Lord. There's no doubt that Jesus is coming back soon. And how many times have I said this? If it's another year, five years, or even ten years, 
that's not long. And the older you get, these younger ones will know, the older you get, the more realization that becomes. This year is half over already. And uh, you'll look up and we'll be this time again next year. And it's just time goes by so fast. But we have talked about through this, we're talking about the end time saint. What should, knowing that we're in this end time, what should us that are end time saints, uh, what should we be like? What should we look like? Um, now, every saint of God, I think is certain thing. You, you need to be looking, you know, you're going to have to be a saint of God or you're not going to make heaven at all. But I think we're living in the time when we are the most privileged, the most blessed generation there's ever been. Apostle Paul, Apostle Peter, all these great men of the, uh, the, uh, the New Testament that's when the church started. As great as they were, God seen us, and he put us during this time living in the end time. So he's got great confidence in our generation. I believe that with all my heart. But with that, we can't just be the casual saint. We can't be like every church on the corner and not just talking about different denominations, but we can't be like every just normal. We can't just have normal apostolic church. We can't just live every day just any kind of way. We are the end time saint. And with all that said, I think Peter unpacks some things for us, and we need to talk about some of this. And we've talked about uh, our holy conversation that, that, that deals with our behavior. We can't just act like everybody else if we're going to be an end time saint. Especially when we're dealing with other people. Other people, we're their channel to be able to be saved. So we've got to make sure we're living a life that, that may draw somebody else to our lifestyle to want to know, hey, why you live like that? Why you act like that? And we talked about godliness, which is just us being aware that God is in control. He's sovereign. He's over control of every aspect of our life. It should be determined uh, just to bring honor and glory to him. I'm just kind of going through what I've talked about already. And, uh, and if we, we know all this, we can see that, hey, he's coming back soon. And as a born-again child of God, we should be, uh, be aware that Jesus could come any day. And that should drive us. He could come any day. We should put a conviction inside of us of faith that we should conduct our life and live every day every moment as if he could come right now that's how the end time saints should be and and we're so preoccupied with everything so preoccupied and we have so many gadgets and so many toys to take uh control of our life we got facebook we got we got hulu we got netflix we got all these things that can just we can binge watch you know people just binge watching and and scrolling and and just mindlessly do these things when we could be doing something for god and this uh it should cause us to be as titus said titus 2 and 3 looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. We need to be looking for it, anticipating. And I'm afraid we got so many in the church, we're not even looking for His coming. We're just going about life every day. And this is why Peter, I think, is telling us in this text, saying, look, he, it's going to come as a thief in the night. You come any moment. So what kind of person ought we be living? What type of life should we be living? And, and, the, and the last time we talked, we, when we seen our text that Peter told us to look for and hasten to the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved and the elements shall be melt with fervent heat. In essence, Peter was saying, look, you need to focus on eternity and not this world. 
And, and that's the last time we talked about, that's what we talked more about. How He was saying, look, don't be so focused on this word. You need to be looking for, hasting, anticipating, expecting. He could come any day and my neighbor's going to hell and I've got to do something about it. He could come any day and I've got this little thing in my life. I've got to get rid of it because I've got to make heaven my home. And in essence, Peter, he's just telling us, look, quit focusing on this world. This world is not what it's about. It's about eternity. In this world, what we're doing here in this world will determine where we will spend eternity. And that brings us down to verse 14. If you can get that back up there, Jagan. Verse 14. He asked me, he said, did you have a subtitle tonight? I said, I do not, because if I did, it would be too long for you to put up there. I've been kind of putting, you know, we're the end time saint and whatever. And this is just too long. So, but tonight, I'm going to focus on verse 14. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that you look for such things. He said, so since you look for the coming of God, you're looking to live this holy lifestyle and all this. He said, be diligent that you may be found of him in peace without spot and blameless so if i had a subtitle today it would be found of him in peace without spot and blameless that's that's what i want to concentrate on with this tonight is we have to make sure that we're diligent that we may be found of him god jesus our savior in peace without spot and blameless being diligent means from the Thayer's Dictionary, it means to uh, exert one, endeavor, give diligence, give a lot of attention to it. It is um, a place that we really strive. I've got to put a lot of effort being, in being diligent. And it's, it's like if you lost a $100 bill in your car, you would be very diligent until you found it. You'd be very focused. If you lost it, you knew you had it, and you lost it in your bedroom, you just wouldn't just oh I lost it's not you know we we lose pennies it's no big deal right uh, maybe you're not I pick up pennies I, if I find pennies or I drop them I pick them up Sister Cheryl sweeps them up and throws them in the trash I don't do that I don't know why, why she does it but but if she if she dropped a hundred dollar bill she'd be diligent and she would search for that thing until she found it that's what he's talking about here now this word peace means a state of tranquil, uh, tranquility uh, it's it's exemption from havoc and war in our life. It, it, is, it means peace between individuals. I'm, I'm going to lay some foundation. I'm going to talk about some of this here. And then um, th that, that's what that means. Without spot, that means physically without, there's nothing there. There's no spot on it, okay? Thayer's dictionary says metaphorically is the, it is a, a, uh, a place that we're free from vice, things that holds us. We're unsoiled from the world. Blameless, these three words, these three phrases I'm dealing with tonight, it, it means that being sure that nobody can blame anything on you and you're, you're, you don't have no blame on you. So knowing that he's coming back, knowing and looking that we're anticipating and hasting for the coming of God, Peter said we are to be diligent. Everybody say diligent. We see that this, this diligent perseverance that we have, it rests on, in these scriptures, it, it kind of rests on three, or I mean four different things that we need to concentrate on and being diligent. Number one, the hope that he's coming, all right? 
And then the second thing is the holiness that we need to live that's necessary to keep us with a clear conscience in our life. And then we need to make sure that we develop this heart inside of us for the lost. Okay? And we need to make sure that we hold on to the scriptures. All right? If, if you read on down past 14, I'm, I'm going to just cover 14 here tonight. And I'll, I'll get on the rest of it later. But to diligently persevere, that means to maintain the hope. I got to keep that hope in my mind. And I got to be diligent with the fact. Brother Texas, that I think about consciously that he is coming again. Because, Sister Chassie, if I don't hold to that consciousness that he is coming, there's so many things in this world that will pull me away from the fact that he is coming. And it will cause me to be sidetracked. So this is what he's saying. You need to diligently persevere or maintain that hope that, yeah, I'm having a tough time right now. Life is not like I want it, but he's coming back. And it's going to be worth it. And I'm going to make heaven my home. He said, therefore, beloved, since you look for these things, we see that Peter, he repeats looking for. This phrase through this text, verse 12, 13, and 14, we see him repeat this looking for. So he is driving it home in us. You need to be looking for the coming of God. He's driving it home to us. Do not lose the fact that he's coming. All right? And we see him repeating this. And what this means is we need to just, we need to have this, and I know this is foreign to people, and I, I say this at times, and like, well, well, what if you get COVID and you die? If I die, then I'm going to heaven. And, and people's like, well, uh, I'm serious. I, I mean, I love my wife, my children. I love, I love my grandson Corbin to death. I love the church. I love people. But listen, if I die, I mean, this is what I'm living for. If I die, I'm living for this. And if something inside of you is a little hesitant with that, then we may be a little too connected to the world. And we may not have enough of this eager expectation. And I know we look at John and Kayla. They got four months. They got a baby coming. Like, okay, Lord, let's at least wait five so I can at least see my baby. Then, and, and I understand that concept when we have things in our life like that. But overwhelmingly, there should be, some, should be something in the, on the inside of the end time saint that says, you know what? If I leave this world, I'll be like the Apostle Paul. For me to stay here is gain for you, but for me to leave is gain. Hallelujah for me, and I'm getting out of here. But we need this eager expectation that he's coming. There's a new heaven. There's a new earth. And all righteousness dwells there. And it appears that Peter, when he's, when he's telling this to the church in these scriptures, that it's almost as if he's assuming that everybody he's talking to is already looking for these promises. Now, in our modern day, to the people that I preach to, and I'm not saying you here today, but by and large, a lot of the people that I talk to, not everybody looks that way. Not everybody is anticipating and looking for this promise. A lot of people are just trying to get from today until tomorrow. Life is not about just living from today to tomorrow. Life is about living from today into eternity. And, and it takes us back to uh, uh, our last lesson, but I, I would guess that we all think that Jesus is is coming again, power and glory and the judge. We, we, we would think that 
we at all would think about that a lot more, but it seems like we don't put that in our mindset because honestly, when we're looking to try to have the peace, the spotless and the blameless part in our life, that is contingent to the fact that we're looking for and we're hasting and we're excited that Jesus is going to come. Someone asked a series of questions that I found that I, I think is very appropriate for my subject tonight that I want to ask tonight. And they're meant to be very thought-provoking to us tonight. So let's listen to this. Wouldn't it affect how we live if we kept in view the fact that he is coming and we will give account to him? Would husbands and wives argue about petty things if they both had in view that Christ is coming? Would churches fight over minor matters if the church members were living in view of Jesus' coming? Would we spend money on all the stuff that we think we need if we were living in view of Jesus' coming? Would we waste our time in so many frivolous ways if we were living in view of Jesus' coming? Now, I've, I've found those, a copy that I didn't come up with them questions, but when I read them, I'm like, I, that's relevant to what I'm talking about tonight. And I would think that if we really, truly did think and we did diligently persevere in our spirit to maintain that hope that everything that I'm doing in life, I need to put in content, contingent with the fact that he could come. Because if I really were... In that state of mind, uh, see, this is what this verse is talking about. Verse 14, he said, Therefore, beloved, since you look for these things, be diligent to be found by him in peace, spotless and blameless. It, it's, like, it's like Peter, he likes this word diligent, all right? We see Peter say this word diligent a lot. In 2 Peter 1 and 5, Peter gives a... a a, it's an incredible passage of Scripture. He said, And besides this, giving all diligence, there it is, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to faith, your virtue knowledge. If you read the rest of it, he just keeps talking about, let's be diligent about adding all these things to your life. Because he gets down to verse 10 of Second Peter 1. He says, Wherefore, rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you shall never fail. He, he is very, he uses diligence so much. And he's trying to drive it home. Because to be diligent means giving our attention to something. That goes back to that $100 bill that we lost. All right? Um, here a while back, I won't mention uh, their name, but there was, was been several years ago. Somebody I worked with, but I was also kind of kin to. They somehow or another had gotten the $800 church deposit and they were supposed to be taken to the bank and they lost it. And they were diligently looking for that $800 cash deposit. You can ask later, then I'll tell you. I'm not telling you right now. <laughs> but I promise you, they were looking garbage cans. They were looking couches. They were looking vehicles. That, this is the definition. It means you give a lot of attention to it. Okay? Now, He's not big enough to walk yet, but I promise you, when he gets big enough to walk, 
and you're out in the middle of an area you're not familiar with, and all of a sudden you look around and you don't find Corbin, all of a sudden your entire world shifts and becomes diligent about, I've got to find that kid. Right? That, this is what I'm talking about. It, this diligent, it, it implies making every effort of exerting ourselves towards a particular goal. And what it means when you're being diligent, diligence, it doesn't happen by accident. It's not accidental. It requires deliberate focus. Because here's the thing. The devil... This world and our flesh. This is our enemies, all right? It is the devil, the world, and our flesh. They are very powerful whether we want to believe it or not, okay? And if we do not apply diligence to our life, we're going to find ourselves going in the wrong direction. And the purpose of our Diligent effort to be found by him in peace, spotless and blameless. In nutshell is this. It means we've got to maintain the holy and our godly behavior that is needed for us to have a clear conscience. Okay? This is what I'm talking about tonight. A man by the Michael Green said in his writings, he wrote about second, the second epistle of Peter and the epistle of Jude. But in his book he said... The look of hope must produce the life of holiness. What he's meaning saying, if we're being hopeful of God's coming, it should produce a life of holiness inside of us. We see the Apostle Paul when he is testifying before the governor Felix in Acts 24 and 16. He says this, I do my best to maintain always a blameless conscience. Listen to what he says, a blameless conscience before God and before men. He said, I'm looking to have this conscience that's blameless before God and men. John Calvin, no doubt some of y'all have heard of John Calvin. In his Calvin, he has a commentaries, and he wrote this. He said, peace is peace. He's talking about peace in our text, okay? And what we've read here, trying to define this peace. He said, it is a place, he said, it means a quiet state a quiet state of conscience found on hope and patient waiting. He goes on to say that this peace then is quietness of a peaceful soul which concurs in the word of God. What, what, what I'm trying to say is this. If we're looking for peace in our conscience, this is not about bringing peace to the world, okay? This is talking about bringing peace to my world. Peace between me and God and me and others. This is what Peter's talking about right here. Because here's the thing. If our conscience bothers us because we know that we've disobeyed God, we'll be like Adam, okay? We'll be like Adam was in the garden. What did Adam do? He knew he had sinned against God, so what did he do? He avoided God. He went and he hid from God. That's right. So this is what Peter's talking about here. We've got to be diligent in keeping peace with God and being blameless and spotless before him. We, we won't be at peace with him if we have a problem between me and him. All right? 
See, it's the, the same is true with our relationships with others. If we've wronged somebody or they've wronged us, we don't want to see them. Now, you can act like you're the, uh, the perfect angel here, but how many of you have been in Walmart and all of a sudden you see that person and you make sure you go a few aisles down the other way and you make sure which way they turn because you don't want to run into them, right? This is what I'm talking about. In our, and here's the thing. Our conscience is not at peace because we, are, we have sinned. All right? And the, the only God way, God-given way to fix it is we have to confess our sins to God. And then if we've wronged somebody else, we've got to go to our brother, we've got to go to our sister, and we've got to ask for forgiveness for what we've done wrong. Or, as the Bible says, if you think your brother has... See, we just don't use the Bible no more. This is how... This is why we got so many people that so, and had so much turmoil in their life. We just don't use the Bible no more. Because the Bible says if you think your brother has an alt against you, go to them and, and check it out, basically. All right? So when Peter says that we are to be spotless and blameless, he's not meaning that we can be perfect in this life. This is not what he's talking about. But instead, here, he's comparing the believers with the, with the false teachers that teaches about stains and blemishes. It's the exact opposite words in Greek to spotless and blameless. He is setting, the, he's setting a, a high standard that the end-time saint needs to strive to reach for. We should, we should strive to get rid of sin in our life. All right? Because what sin does... It keeps the peace between me and God messed up. And, and, when I'm, and even if I've got something messed up with somebody else, it keeps me all messed up when, there's not, when I've got all this stuff going on in my world. And I, I know this is not always real popular preaching, teaching in our, in our, in our modern time, but this is why we've got a lot of people that are battling and struggling such things in their mind. Because here's the thing. One of the end-time things that we're seeing right now, and we have seen in the United States over the last year, year and a half, is division, right? The devil wants to divide because the Word of God says a house divided against itself cannot stand. So he wants to divide, whether it's in the household, whether it's in the church, whether it's between best friends for years, whatever. He wants to bring division in our churches. He wants to bring divisions in our home because if he knows if he can bring division, then there's no peace in our homes. And this is what Peter's saying. I want you to strive to get that peace in your life. We should strive to get rid of any sin, even sins in our private thoughts that nobody even else knows about, which we, we need to just search our hearts and we need to get rid of it and we need to repent of it, okay? Because we should strive to get rid of anything towards anybody else, any wrongs towards anybody else. Get that out of our lives. Paul said, Romans 12, 18, If possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. If possible. Now, I know there are some people, you just can't keep peace with them, okay? The best thing you can do in that situation is stay away from them. Some people, 
You and your personality and theirs just ain't going to match, all right? Just stay away from them. I only go around when you have to because this is what he's talking about, if possible. Because if not, it brings a disruption to your world. And all of a sudden, you don't have that peace. And when you don't have that peace, what does it do? It takes our focus off from what we really should be focusing on, which is the coming of Jesus. And Paul wrote also to the Roman church in, in um, Romans. Hang on, I hit the wrong button here and it went somewhere else. So Romans 14, 19, he said, Let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace, and things wherewith one may edify one another. He's saying, do this. Follow after things that's going to bring peace and also after things that's going to lift somebody up. Edify. Make somebody else feel better. He's pursuing peace has the ideal, the same ideal as us being diligently to be found in him in peace. It means that we've got to be diligent to learn to work through relational problems. Okay, so that our conscience is clear before God and before men. Because I'll be honest with you, as a guy, we're not good at working through relationship problems always. I'm thank God for my wife. She, when we've stayed up to one, two, and three o'clock in the morning many times, and I just want just go away, leave me alone, let me get over it. That don't always work. Sometimes you do got to learn to work through relationship problems. It's like the, the old guy said, me and my wife never went to bed. Um, you know, the piece, the, what, let me think exactly how he said it. He said, been married for whatever years and it had been a great marriage. He said, well, what's the key to it? He said, well, uh, just never go to bed, bed sleep or go to sleep mad at your wife or whatever. And he said, well, it's been how many ever years it been since he, he said he'd been asleep. So he's <laughs> been mad at her for years. But the truth of the matter is, as the end time saint, we need to let ourselves have a normal, let it be a normal habit in our life that we are diligently seeking to be found of God with peace. And then we have a life that's spotless and blameless because we're looking for the day of his coming. And here's the thing. I... After pastoring 15 years, and I've been preaching for uh, 25 years, as long as Jake has been old, I've dealt with so many people who seem to embrace their bitterness. They seem to embrace jealousy. They seem to embrace anger towards someone else. And whether it's towards a family member or towards others in the church, that's something that we can't do. That's something that cannot be. Because here's the thing. This, this uh, bitterness and this jealousy and the anger towards whether it be God or others, it causes a disruption in the peace in our world. And this is what Peter was talking about. Put verse 14 back up there for me, Jacob. This is what Peter's talking about in this verse in 14 when he said this. He said, he said, be diligent that you may be found of him in peace, without spot and blameless. What he's saying, look, make sure that when he comes back, we're looking for him. So when we're looking for him, make sure when he comes back, 
that you can have a good, clear conscience in your mind that if there's a problem between you and somebody else, you're without spot, you're without blaming that because you've done your part to try to make it right. Because here's the thing, you can, if there's an issue between you and somebody else, you can go to them and say, I'm sorry and try to make things right. You've done your part. There's nothing that person, if they don't do it, it's not on you no more, all right? It's on you. And here's the greatest, here's one of the greatest uh, revelations that you can ever have in your entire life is this. When there's issues, there's conflicts, whether it's in a family, whether it's in the church, whether it's whatever the case may be, you are only responsible for yourself and how you respond. Do not be driven by the way somebody else acts and have that to cause you to end up acting like them. All you can do and what you're really, truly responsible for in yourself is you got to make sure that this verse comes to pass in your life, that you're diligent, that when he comes back, there's no problem between you and him. Because he could come at any moment. This is the whole point of this series I'm talking about. He could come at any moment. And I don't want him to come back and all of a sudden there's an issue between me and somebody else or me and God. And he looks at me and says, I don't know you. Depart from me. Because Hebrews 12, and I, I am about to bring this to close tonight. Hebrews 12, 14 and 15 says this. Follow peace with some men. Oh, I said that wrong, didn't I? Follow peace with all men. And he adds something in there with it. And holiness. Without which no man shall see the Lord. So this is just following up on what Peter said, the writer of Hebrews. He said, look, you've got to follow after peace with everybody, all men. And also, not just that, Let's add some holiness in there too. Because without these things, nobody's going to see the Lord. And then look what he throws in behind that verse, verse 15. He said, looking diligently, lest any man fell of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness bringing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. What he, just sim simply unpacking these verses right here is all he's saying is, look, you got to make sure you follow after peace with everybody and, and don't forget, in doing that, you've got to keep your holiness at the same time. And let me tell you, uh, most of you that's here tonight, you've been in church long enough, you know that holiness is not just about the way we look. I believe it. we got to look right. we got to dress right. But, baby, it's got to be on here, in here too. All right? Maybe you've seen the Internet story floating around right now about, about the banana. I thought that was kind of cool. That uh, Somebody says, you know the banana, that's what you want on the inside of it, right? This is paraphrasing the little story. That you want what's on the inside of that banana, but that, that preacher or whoever it was ended up saying, yeah, but I'm going to judge what's on the inside of that banana by the way it looks on the outside. Now, you might like your bananas jet black, but I don't, okay? I, I like them to be, and I, I'll judge it by the way it looks on the outside, all right? So, and, and this is what he said. We've got to follow peace 
everybody, all men. So I encourage you tonight, if, if, there, if, you, if there's something going on between you and somebody else, get it right. Because it can mess up your relationship with God. It can mess up with relationship. Because this is what he said right here. He said, without no man shall see the Lord. And then verse 15, he adds, he adds it in there. Looking diligently, lest any man fell of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up. He's saying, look, if you're not careful, it can call you to fall from grace with God. And then a root of bitterness can get in your spirit. And then you're going to be in trouble right there. Because when that root of bitterness falls down inside of you, bitterness starts growing. And here's the thing with, with bitterness. It, he, it, he says it with a root. Bitterness, it goes in there and just entwines inside your stomach. And when it comes out, it hurts. So you've got to be careful not let your hurt turn into bitterness. Because when you do, that thing, it, it's got to come out. And if you don't get it out, when it does, it hurts when it comes. So, here's the question I have with all this tonight. Peace is so important. And it's what he said. He said in that verse, I want to be found at peace with him. And I want to make sure that I'm spotless and blameless in that situation. I, I, I want to make sure that, that I've not done nothing that's causing issues. I've, I've cleared everything out. I've... Uh, that's why Paul said I die daily. That's why we've got to make sure daily that we've got our spirit right. We repent. need to repent every day. Uh, every day you need to ask God, search your heart, and say, God, I want to make sure there's nothing in here, if there's nothing towards somebody. And, if, and let me tell you, I, I know from experience, forgiveness with some people is just a moment. But some situations, it does take some time. And you've got to, you've, sometimes you've got to say, I forgive and release them when you don't even believe that. And sometimes you just got to keep repeating that and saying that over every day, maybe sometimes multiple times, till that thing is out of your spirit because you cannot have that on the inside of you. Because when he comes, he won't, that's what Peter's saying. Make sure that when he comes, he finds you in peace with the Lord and that you're spotless and blameless. Because how would we feel when Jesus returns and we're not at peace with him? We're not at peace with others. Because we're holding on to something, some kind of sin in our side of our life. Or what happens that he comes back and he says, look, I don't know you. Depart from me. I never knew you. So as an end time saint, we've got to be diligently, diligently persevere to make sure that we maintain a hope of his coming that causes us to maintain a holiness on the inside of us that keeps us a clear conscience in our life. Because that's what we're seeking for. Because if we can keep a clear conscience with God and with others, we can keep a focus where it needs to be. Because what happens is, I get so upset at somebody, Brother Texas, it pulls my focus away from what it really needs to be on. And then I give that person so much attention that I forget that he could come any moment. And as an end time saint, we cannot, we cannot be like that. Amen. So, I'm done tonight. I know Bethany's probably taking care of Corbin, so. If you want to come pray tonight, come talk to the Lord for a moment. If there's anything inside of our heart that doesn't need to be there, 
we need to make sure that we get it out of our heart. Get it out of our spirit. So if we could find a place and talk to the Lord and say, God, help me to have a clear conscience. Make sure that I have peace, God, with you. Lord, I, I, don't, I don't want nothing to mess up my view that you're coming back soon. Because this is what this is really all about tonight, that he's coming back. Amen. And we've got to make sure our spirit is ready. So if you like, come pray. Come pray tonight. I encourage you to, matter of fact, if you can. Mm-hmm.